I want to share with you something uh, this morning that uh, is already on the screen. We can put it up there if we can. Running the race is what I want to talk about. Um, I'm not going to bore you with lots of things about what I did last week, but a couple of photographs. Let's see if something will come up on here. Thank you. Here we go. That was the start of the Winchester Half Marathon around this time last Sunday. Uh, there is myself with my daughter Abigail, and we were running together. Um, do you know what I discovered? Winchester is full of hills. <laughs> I didn't enjoy the race, I endured it. We set off, about 700 of us, there was a lot that didn't show up. And I think I understand now why they didn't show up. They found out what it was like. So we went off around the back of the cathedral. We got this little hill. That's okay. We crossed this road. And then we go up this mega hill up past the cemetery somewhere. It's a killer. Honestly, I said, Dad, we go, don't run too fast. Don't run too fast. You know, we'll finish ourselves before we started. So we, so we took it gently. But my goodness, I could not believe the hills that there are around Winchester. But also, the residents come out and encourage you, but I find they are liars. Because we ran all the way down to Hursley, and at Hursley there was a water station, bananas and, and gels to give you fresh energy. And then we do this long drag up through this lane and eventually get to Oliver's Battery. Get there, and there's neighbours and people cheering you on and saying, no more hills now. I said, that's the best news I've heard. And then I go around the corner and there's another hill. <laughs> I think they are liars. So then I get further on and we kind of cross over somewhere uh, under the, the main road, Oliver's Battery, and we're going. And people say, no more hills. I said, they told me that two miles back. Around the corner, what is there? Another hill. And here I am at 71 years of age thinking, Lord, I can't do another hill. This is killing. It wasn't until we got down to St. Cross and the water meadows running by St. Catherine's Hill that it became flat and it was bearable. But there we are. I did it. Got the T-shirt, got the medal. And with your help and a lot of other people's help, raised well over a £1,000 for Prostate Cancer UK. So thank you. And... Um, if, if you've not given and would like to, you can cross my palm with silver this morning or you can go onto the Just Giving page and put in my name, Paul Finn, and uh, it is open until the 30th of this month, so there's still time. It's all for a great cause. Life is a race. From the moment we're born to the final breath that we take, we keep moving, we keep journeying, we keep running as long as we're able. There's an African proverb which I really like, and it says this, every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up. It knows it must be faster than the slowest antelope, or it will starve. It doesn't matter whether you're a lion or an antelope, when the sun comes up, you better be running. A lot of wisdom in that, isn't it? There is. Now, perhaps we're called the human race because life is a race. You ever thought about that? It is. We're 
progressing, we're moving, life is a kind of race. And the Apostle Paul likened it to a race when he said, don't you realize that in the race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? Now, I have to slightly disagree with that, because a few years ago I did the Great North Run with about 53,000 people. We start off in Newcastle and you end up in uh, Gateshead or somewhere. And there was this guy called Mo Farah who ran it as well. He was a little bit faster than me. But do you know what? We got the same medal at the end of the race. And the red arrows flew over as I finished to honor me. So I felt really, very. So, so Paul says only one person gets the prize. Well, that was a bit different because I did get the same medal as Mo Farah, but he was slightly quicker. But Paul says, so run to win. That's God's destiny. That's God's purpose for you. He designed you to be a winner. That's why he went to the cross. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it to win a prize that will last for all eternity. Isn't that good news? Now, when the Apostle Paul encountered Jesus Christ, his passion and direction and devotion to life was totally changed. And from that moment on, he couldn't resist sharing the good news of Jesus wherever he went and with whoever he would listen. He had found a true relationship with God through Jesus Christ, as Jonathan was just telling us about. It is all through Jesus that we come to know the Father. And Paul had that revelation, and he saw that life was was like a kind of race, and he summed it up in these words. This is what he said. I focus on this one thing. That's a focused face of me there. That is, I just run up from Hursley, and there's this official photographer, and I just managed to give him a wave. See, that's focus. He says, I focus on one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which Christ Jesus is calling us. I want to just look at that verse with you for a few moments this morning. All right. Okay, the first thing we need to learn is that we've got to forget our history. Paul says, forgetting what is past. Paul had a past to be ashamed of. In case you don't remember it, let me read to you what he says in Philippians 3, just a a chapter before that we're, we're, a few pages, uh, verses before that we're looking at this morning here in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. This is what he says in verse 5 to 7. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Paul had a past to be ashamed of. All of us have history. We are making history from the moment we are born. And sometimes there is history in our lives that we wish we could change. 
I'm sure all of us would wish that there are certain things in our past that we could eradicate or we could wind the clock back and redo that again. We all have history. And the problem is that with our history, it can hinder our present and our future if we allow it to control us. There are some things of the past that we can only get free from by choosing forgiveness. Paul had to be forgiven for his approval of the murder of Stephen. The first Christian martyr you read of in the Acts of the Apostles, Paul stood there looking after the clothes of all the people that were stoning Stephen to death, and Paul approved of the murder of Stephen, who was a passionate servant of Jesus Christ. Paul had to find forgiveness for that. He had to forgive himself for his mistaken ideology. Otherwise, he would have been a Christian who lived in regret rather than in the grace of God. There's a story that um, J. John tells. I like it. He said there was a flock of geese on one occasion, and the chief goose said, it is now time to fly south because the cold weather is coming. But one of the geese protested and said, I am fed up with traveling. I am fed up with flying. I am fed up with this migration that we have to do every year. I'm going to stay here. So the flock of geese flew off and they left this one goose. Well, the next day, this one goose felt very sad and lonely and he realized I've made a mistake. Terrible mistake. Should have gone with my mates. He didn't like being on his own, so he thought, look, if I take off now and if I fly fast enough, I'll catch them up. But the problem was he wasn't able to fly in the V formation that geese fly in, so the headwind was really harsh and it was incredibly cold. And very soon, in the high altitude, he froze. And he plummeted to earth. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't save himself. And all of a sudden, he hit the ground but he had a soft landing because he landed in a freshly laid cow pat. And he lay there frozen, but the warm cow pat gradually started to thaw him out. And he thought, wow, I'm still alive. Well, just then, a friendly wildcat came along and started to lick the manure off of the goose. And he thought, this is nice. Someone's helping me out of my troubles. But then after he licked him, the wildcat began to eat him. And he thought, I'm going to be eaten alive. This is awful. And so with that, he flapped his wings and he started to fly because he didn't want to die. What's the moral of the story? Sometimes we all make mistakes. We all make wrong choices. We make unwise decisions. We don't always do the right thing. And there are times when we fall into a big mess. Sometimes there are friends who come along who we think they're there to help us and they're not really there to help us at all. Whatever mistakes we may have made in our past, God can help us to rise and to fly again. Listen to what the Bible says. 
Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. It's forgiven. It's washed away in the blood of Jesus. And the new has come. The Bible also says, former things, we've all got former things, but but don't dwell on them. Don't live in the past. God says, I am doing a new thing. God is a God of the new. He's got new things planned and purposed for your life. And I read this the other day, a great little statement. My past has not defined me. It has not destroyed me. It has not deterred me. It has not defeated me. It has only strengthened me. That's the value of the past. Let it make us better, not bitter. And Paul says, I'm going to forget my history because Christ has given me a new beginning. So running the race of life, we've got to forget our history. But the second thing that's important is this, that we have to seize our opportunity. Because Paul says, I forget what's behind and I look forward to what lies ahead. We only have one life to live. Reincarnation is a false fantasy because you don't get a second chance at life. And somebody said the opportunity of a lifetime is found in the lifetime of the opportunity. In the Greek language, our English word for time has two Greek words. There's first of all the Greek word chronos, which is the, you know, the 24-hour time, the time that we measure on our clocks. But there's another Greek word, kairos, that literally means a moment in time. And kairos was the Greek god of opportunity. Kairos was, in Greek mythology... He he was represented by a young man with a tuft of hair on his forehead. And the symbolism was literally this. As Kairos was coming towards you, if you didn't grab him as he was approaching, you would never get him from behind because he was totally bald. So you've got to get that tuft of hair at the front or you've missed the opportunity. Aesop he said that not even Zeus could catch Kairos after he'd passed. What I'm saying this morning is that there are brief moments in life when things are possible, and if you miss that moment, the opportunity is gone. Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do by the things that you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbour, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. See, God is a God of the kairos moment. He is a God and gives us opportunities in life that we need to seize. Jonathan this week has obviously seized some opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. How often we miss those opportunities. Have you had those moments where you thought, oh, I could have said something then. I could have have just made some comment about Jesus and I missed it. 
God is the God who gives us opportunities and we need to be aware of the prompting and the leading of his Holy Spirit to seize those moments. There were people in the Bible who seized those opportunities. David, the opportunity to face Goliath the giant. He could have said, no, someone else would do it. But he saw that Kairos moment. Who is this Philistine giant who dares defy the armies of the living God? I will fight him. There were three young men who faced the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel. And there was that opportunity to stand for their belief or they could have said, oh, no, 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 we're back off. We'll do what the king wants. We're not going to go in the fiery furnace. But they stood true to what they believed and they seized the moment, the opportunity and went into the fiery furnace and Jesus joined them and an incredible miracle took place. Do you remember that lady in the New Testament? She'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And Jesus was in her town. And she thought, if I just touch his garment, I believe I'll be healed. But there was a big crowd around her, and and she could have thought, no, there's no way I can push through there. But she saw this was a moment of opportunity. I need to do it. And she pushed through the crowd, and she touches Jesus, and instantly she's healed. Then there was that time when the disciples were in a storm, in their boat, out on the sea, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And they're terrified. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, okay, boys, it's me. I'm here to rescue you. And Peter says, Jesus, can I do that? And Jesus says, come. And he steps out of the boat and he walks. He took that opportunity. God is the God of opportunity. And Paul says... We need to press forward. Take the opportunity that God gives to us. Paul was determined not to miss what God had planned for his life. He seized the opportunity whenever it came. And speaking of that opportunity, he said this about his life. Or... It says, be careful how to live. Don't live like fools, but live as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in the days that are evil. He also says, live wisely among those who do not believe. Make the most of every opportunity. And he also says, whenever you have the opportunity, do good to everyone. Finally, he says this, which I love. He talks of himself and his encounter with Jesus and he says this, finally Jesus presented himself to me alive. It was fitting that I bring up the rear or I was born at another time. I don't deserve to be included in that inner circle, as you well know. Having spent all those early years of my life trying my best to stamp out God's church, but because God was so gracious, so very generous, Here I am, and I'm not about to let his grace go to waste. I will take every opportunity I can to live my life for the glory of God. So we need to forget our history. We need to seize the opportunities. But one last thing out of these few verses that Paul says, and it's simply this, we need to believe in our destiny. Okay, there's a picture of Abigail and me 
finishing, crossing the finish line. We're smiling. After all those hills, we're still happy. We've done it. We've made it. We've completed the race. In the midst of all of his suffering, Job was able to say this. Oh, okay. Well, there's the, there's the medal. So I did do it. Got the medal. Bit out of sequence. Okay, let's just see. What did Job say? In the midst of all his suffering, Job says this. God controls my destiny. You are not an accident going somewhere to happen. You are not a mistake. God has divine purposes and plans for your life. He has a destiny for you. Because he also says, I know the plans I've got for you. So find out what plans God's got for your life. Ask him to tell you. Your birth was not a mistake. Paul's life started way off of the plan of God. But when he met Jesus, he came in line with God's destiny for his life. If you are young, or if you consider yourself young this morning, then I want to tell you that God has got big plans for your life. He really has. Find out what they are and live your destiny in God. But if you're old, or I prefer to say mature, if you're older this morning, I want to tell you this. God has still got plans for your life. Take your hand. I love to do this. Blow, blow on your hand. Blow on it. The moment you can't do that, your destiny's over. It's finished. There are no more plans. There's nothing else that you can achieve. But all the time you can wake up every morning and blow on your hand, you know that you are a living being and the presence and the power of God is alive in you and can be fulfilling his purposes through you. Joel Steen said this, God wouldn't have given you destiny if he didn't give you the time to fulfill it. One final story. John Stephen Akwari was a Tanzanian athlete. He competed in the Olympic marathon in Mexico in 1968. Approximately 12 miles into the 26.2 miles of the marathon, he was jostled by some other runners. He fell badly. He damaged his knee and his shoulder as he crashed to the ground. In fact, his leg was bleeding quite badly and his knee was dislocated. One account, medical staff urged him to stop, but he carried on. He continued to run. Well, it wasn't really running. It was a kind of a mixture of, of hobbling and hopping along as he continued the marathon. He finished last out of 57 competitors, and the winner finished in two hours, 20 minutes, where John Akwari finished in well over three hours, 25 minutes. Well, I still think that's pretty good. As he finished, the sun was setting. There was only a few thousand people left in the stadium, but they rose to cheer him as he finished and came to the finishing line. There was a medal ceremony going on, but 
as the crowd cheered and roared, the cameras turned to see what they were cheering and they filmed John Akwari, this courageous man in agony, crossing the line. He was interviewed later and he was asked, why did you ignore the medical advice that was given to you 12 miles into the race that you should stop running? And this is what he said. My country did not send me 10,000 miles just to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. Whenever I run a half marathon, I make myself two promises. And it's this. I will never walk unless I'm injured, and I will finish well. And Abigail and I, we, we sprinted down these back streets of Winchester. And there were lots of people having lunch at that time. They were sitting outside. And as we ran, they stopped eating and they cheered and clapped and shouted. We felt like celebrities. It was brilliant. It was the greatest moment. really was. And they were all cheering us on as we went down these narrow streets and came to the finish moment. I believe that we need to finish life well. Graveyards are filled with people who never finished life well. They never reached their destiny. They never wrote the book that they were going to write. They never achieved the goal that they had set themselves. Paul says, we are to finish well. And this is what he said at the end of his life. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful and now a prize awaits me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his returning. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly await his return. There's a prize for you to finish the race well. Will you stand with me as we just pray together? We all have to run our own individual race. And whilst there were 700 people this time last week running, everyone ran their own individual race, ran at their pace, running for different reasons, for different causes. Nobody can run your race. Nobody can live your Christian life. Nobody can follow Jesus for you. It's your race. It's your journey. It's for you to pursue all that God has got for you. Some of you this morning need to forget your history. Some of you need to say, God, you have forgiven me. You see, the problem is with the devil, he's an accuser. And he wants to constantly remind us of our past, remind us of our failings, remind us that we're not good enough. He is a liar. And we have to reject all those words and we have to declare that in Jesus, my past is forgiven. Don't let your history affect your running the Christian race. But seize those opportunities. This week, God will give you opportunities to shine for him, to live for him, to share your faith in him. Take the opportunities that you get. Take the moments that God gives you to live your life and make sure that you believe in the destiny that God has got for you. He's got big plans for you. He's got a great future for you. He's got purposes that he wants only you to fulfill. 
And you can't do it on your own, but that's why he gave the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, I want to thank you that you have called us to run this race. You believe in us. You've given us your spirit to enable us to run effectively, to run faithfully, and to serve you on a daily basis. Lord, I want to pray for every person here that your spirit will be upon them in the coming days, that we will continue to run, we will continue to live for you, we will know your enabling power to fulfill all that you call us to by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.